Welcome to the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, and I'm here for you. Today we're going to talk about ways to stop tolerating abuse. Abuse you may not even have recognized that is happening now or that happened earlier in your life. Maybe you'll hear something today that you really need to hear. It's my hope that you will. You're not alone. It's not your fault. You are not to blame. And I'll help you use that redirected energy to recover and to rediscover you, your values, your dreams, your desires, and then realize them in healthy ways and in healthy relationships at home and at work. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to the Relationship Help Show. I'm so glad you're here. Today we're going to talk about something a little bit different because it applies to absolutely everybody. We're going to be talking about how to live with few regrets and move towards success. So that's very broad. It can apply to your life, your relationship, your career, anything at all, even your hobbies. So today I'm excited to have with me Scott Kimbrough, the author of the book Submergency. He's going to talk with me about those things, living without regret and moving towards success. I'm going to offer you a couple of additional things too, because it's very important to know if you are mistaking activity for progress. So listen to segment two for that. And then in segment five, I'm going to be offering you a trick to stop wasting time on regrets. So this is all here for you. If you want more, go to forrelationshiphelp.com, my website, or see me on YouTube. My channel is called For Relationship Help. Talk soon. Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are these stories and questions on today's show sounding familiar to you? Are you ready to say no more to the abuse from toxic people in your life? I'm so glad. You matter and you deserve to have real love, true love in your life. Love from yourself and love from others. Not that demeaning, discounting and dismissive masquerade that a hijackal pretends is love. I can help you regain yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence after a life with a hijackal, whether it was your partner, an ex, a parent, or a child. Let's work together now. For individual sessions or small group coaching, visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. Talk soon. Hello, welcome to the Tips for Relationships segment. And today I'm going to talk about something that is really important. I was speaking about it quite a bit about 10 years ago, and I thought, wow, I haven't spoken to you about it. And uh, it's always on my mind because it's something that is so easy to fall into. And so my question for you today, as you're working on your relationship with yourself is, 
Is there any chance that you are mistaking activity for progress? Because there's a big difference between activity and progress. One keeps us busy and the other moves us forward. And it all starts with our willingness to give up the notion of time management. I know, heresy, right? Is that insanity or there are shelves full of books on the subject of time management? Can they all be useless? <laughs> no, but there's another way to look at the subject. Before you pick up one of those 6,412 books on Amazon that's calling your name, um, because there's really no such thing as time management. Time cannot be managed. Have you ever been able to summon an extra hour and add it to the 24 in your day? Have you been able to collapse the time required for a root canal into five minutes? No, me neither, because time cannot be managed. You can't file it or store it or save it or reduce it or manipulate it in any way. You can't hold it in your hand. So all these authors of all these millions of books are not telling us how to manage our time. They're actually giving us ideas and suggestions and inspiration for managing ourselves. Time is a commodity that cannot be housed. You can't store it. You can't stockpile it. It's going to pass and you're in its path. So it's the decisions that you make that determine its use. It's the values that you hold that determine those decisions in the best of times. One day my daughter asked me what my work was based on. I thought she knew, but she asked. So I wrote this. What is important is simple. Know what you value and invest your time accordingly. This is integrity and it will bring you peace. And I could easily have added, and it will bring you power and passion, purpose and progress and cash. As the world would have us heat up to the idea of scarcity, lack, limitation, reduction, constriction, and loss. Are you getting smaller yet? <laughs> are we likely to get our knickers in a twist over time as well? Well, we're in an era where the media, marketers, big business, and the government would like us to accept that things are scarce, particularly money and the opportunity to make it. Only you can decide to go down that rabbit hole, though. But no matter what your beliefs, you will recognize that the purpose of all this gloom and doom is to incite fear, right? If you're finding your shoulders living somewhere close to your earlobes, those messages may have already gotten to you. Time is an investment. First of all, they're not making any more. Second, you have to choose how to use what you have. And third, I think it's best invested, not just spent. People have different innate approaches to time that are evident in their basic choices. I had a coaching client who loved order and organization. Every pen was in its place, every label printed and spaced identically in its color-coded files. It was a vision of perfection, really, when the file drawer opened. Now, to her, it was natural and necessary as breathing. She did it automatically. Another client believed in the piles-not-files system and spent hours looking for things she knew she had. Organization was not a priority. 
even though she got frustrated in her searches when time was limited and deadlines were looming. But she was not frustrated enough to consider a different filing system. Each client invested time differently in their relationship to their stuff because they have different core values. Although they'd tear each other's hair out if they had to share an office, <laughs> both were happy with their own systems. So it's a big question for us. How is your system around time working for you? Maybe you're one of the millions of people that are getting ready to get ready. Most folks spend their time getting ready to get ready. I know that once was true for me. Long days, short nights, and what was I doing? Getting ready to get ready. That's when you find that all your days are filled and you're very, very busy, but all that fails to make you productive. Busy, even exhausted, <laughs> I remember that, but what was I doing that made real progress in my business or my life? And that question can make all the difference for you too. Because you know that great philosopher Anonymous told the truth when she said this, in the absence of clearly defined goals, we become strangely loyal to daily acts of trivia. Who are you strangely loyal to daily acts of trivia? Well, I think I was. So we make lists and we tidy our desks and we organize our filing cabinets and we have long chats with colleagues. Maybe we research and gather information, even print it out and put it in a pile for future reference. We network, we take teleseminars and classes, and it can all be right on task and the next best step for moving forward, or it can be a way to fool ourselves into thinking we're making progress when we're really just mired in activity. So we might say to ourselves, as soon as my desk is clean or my garage is organized, my thank you notes are written and I've lost 100 pounds, found the right relationship, made a million dollars, or started exercising regularly, then I'll be able to focus and be successful. Does that sound at all familiar? That would be what it means to be getting ready to get ready. And that's the topic is mistaking activity for progress. Nike has given us the good nudes for a long time. Just do it. We often put off what scares us or at a minimum what makes us feel uncomfortable, especially if you're in a relationship that makes you feel uncomfortable. And that doesn't matter if it's your relationship or cold calls or the treadmill. If you know something is good for you, follow the Nike advice. Just do it. And another thing I learned, do it in the daytime. Many times coaching clients want to tidy offices and do research in the daylight hours when progress would mean making phone calls and talking with real people. They're great at justifying the activity and calling it progress, but it's not. It's keeping them from the success they say they want. Anything you're putting off in the idea that you are actually making progress? So it's time for an honest look. Are you ready to get, are you getting ready to get ready or are you mistaking activity for progress? So here's a quick test. What if you would not be able to eat another bite of food until you made the money to pay for it? What would your first action be? You would likely not spend any time more than necessary to get ready. You would take action. 
Then, when that need was taken care of, you would carefully plan your next action step to ensure that you had food for the next meal. And that would be wise, because I once read in David Allen's book, you know, he's a remarkable productivity guru. You can find him at davidco.com, D-A-V-I-D-C-O.com. Because I remember him saying, you actually can't do a project. You can only do action steps. And we often exhaust ourselves with the idea of a whole project when all we need to do is to figure out the necessary action steps that will move us to the result we want. One step is all you need to take the move in the right direction. And that certainly applies to your relationship life too. Take a move towards each other. Take a move to uh, look at your own behavior. Take a move to change uh, the way that you relate to someone. Take a look at the fact that you may be avoiding taking a look at things that really need to change. So this all comes down to looking at what what's your really your honest relationship with success. I mean, success can mean just playing on your own team, having good self-care, certainly making money or having a career or being a great mom or being a wonderful friend. But many people are actually afraid to be successful. And there's a little fear that holds us back from achieving the things that we say we want. We're afraid that we won't know who we are when we've done what we have said we want to do. So we're kind of afraid of losing our identity. And you all know somebody who's going to write a book. And that may be you. So everybody knows that about you if you've ever said that. But who do you become when you have written a book or when you have left that relationship? So now you have to get on with it. And that's a shift in identity. So that brings us to what's stopping you, which very well could be fear. And I've heard it said, in fact, I think the guy's name was Ambrose Redmoon. He said, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. Now, I know that certainly applies to a lot of people who are thinking about their relationships, and that might be you. Or you may be thinking about your relationship with your career or your relationship with money or with anything. Are you more afraid than you are willing to be successful and take a step? So just listen to that once again. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something is more important than fear. So often we'll hear in the news that the reports seem aimed at upping your personal fear factor, but will you make the decision to be courageous? What is more important to you than fear? What is it that you'd like to do and you're allowing fear to be more important? So time can't be managed. I hope you agree with me now. Know what you value. Order your priorities. Invest your time accordingly. Take action that creates progress. And guess what? You will love your life. So go for it. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler the Relationship Help Doctor. If you'd like to learn more about 
the things I can tell you about, go to my website at forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R relationship, H-E-L-P.com. Or listen to my videos on YouTube. My channel is called For Relationship Help. Or subscribe to Tips for Relationships, the written version. You can do that at my website too, For Relationship Help. Talk soon. Go for it. Life as a couple can be exciting and enriching. You both feel supported, known, heard, and appreciated. You know you're safe. Is that what you're experiencing? Does your partner have your back? Can you be vulnerable safely? Do you trust each other fully? Would you say you were emotionally intimate? If not, things can get much better. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I work with couples just like you all over the world by video conferencing. If you want a world-class relationship, learn how now. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join and schedule a time to work together. Let's talk soon. forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. Welcome to this section of the Relationship Help Show. I am very excited to have my guest. You know I'm always excited about my guests, but everyone is so different, and they bring something amazing to the conversation about dealing with these difficult, toxic people. So this is Scott Kimbrough, and he has written a wonderful book, and he is going to tell us all kinds of things because I have great questions for him. So welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you, Dr. Taylor. appreciate you having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Let me tell everybody a little bit. You know I ask people to tell me what's most important that they want you to know about them, and <laughs> this is what, what Scott told me. Today's guest, Scott, teaches people both in their professional and their personal lives how to live with a much greater sense of urgency. Ooh, that sounds a little tense. So they can learn how to have a life that is lived without regret oh now we perked up right a life without regret he teaches the skill to people in all areas of life faith relationship money careers and health and he covers them all in his international best-selling book and i've read it and you need to too it's called submergency so s-u-b-m urgency <laughs> how to live and die without regret so that's what we're going to talk about today but we're not going to get to the regret part um fully until the very end of part two so be sure you stay tuned for both parts so scott i want to start this way many times in my facebook groups that i have for people who are with toxic people and you know i call those people hijackles um i get a question which is my ex or my parent who is a hijackal, a chronically difficult, toxic person that I haven't spoken to for years is really, really ill or is dying. What should I do? Should I go? Now, my answer to that is you do what you can do without regret. And I have a feeling that you might say the same thing. So tell me what your answer would be. It absolutely would be the same thing, Dr. Taylor. It's so important to look at your life from your funeral, look back and go, gosh, what did I do that I was glad I did? What did I not do? I'm glad I did not do. And the opposite, uh, you, you want to look back and say, gosh, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I did not do that. 
as opposed to saying, oh my gosh, I wish I had gone when my ex was sick. I wish I had done this. But at the end of the day, it's your determination. Are you going to regret that or not? The hard part, of course, comes looking at it from your funeral and taking the emotion out of today. Today, you're going to say, no, I don't want to even do with her. But then you look forward 20, 30, 50 years, whatever it may be, and go, oh, my gosh, I really wish I had. You got to put yourself in that futuristic place and think back over your life and then live with the decision that you make without regret. But do your best to position yourself ahead in your future so that you can look back and make the best decision you can at that time. Yeah, I want to throw a little spanner into the works here because we both brought up the same thing. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking about this. Okay, we can live from, will I ever regret this? But we also have to live from the, from the now, you know? So we have a kind of two-edged sword here because mm-hmm. if I have been deeply hurt, like one of the people in, in my group, Optimized Life, they, they said, I have been so deeply hurt and so damaged by my mother. And now my mother is ill and she's probably not going to have long to live. And my family is saying, how dare you come home, you know, mend the fences, do whatever you need to do. But I feel so fragile that I just, I can't imagine risking being around her. How do we balance that what's actually going on with us now with where we might be when we look back on it 10 years from now? Well, I've heard a couple of thoughts to that, uh, Dr. Taylor, would be, number one, I've heard, and this sounds a little awkward, but it, it's a very applicable in business, but many times applies in personal life as well. You make a decision, and then you make the decision right. In other words, if you're going to say, okay, I'm so hurt right now, I can't see myself going and being with my parent. Well, if that is your decision, then stick with that but know that you made that decision the best way that you could at this this time in the future, give yourself the freedom not to have regret over having made that decision because you made the decision the best place you could at that time. My second thing goes along with that though, as an overriding layer would be seek counsel. Why do we always have to make these emotional decisions by ourselves? I think go to a professional and say, what do you think? Go to other people in the same scenarios and say, what have you experienced when when you had the same situation with a parent in a bad situation? Um, So to do your best in big decisions, not to make them by yourself, but to seek wise counsel, uh, because that's where a lot of times wisdom is going to be. It's hard to make those emotional decisions inside the confines of your own head and heart. Oh, I, I like that, Scott, because I, well, I like it because I agree with it. But, <laughs> you know, when, when you, you do this and you go to other people, though, just a caveat there, other people are not you. So make sure that you're gathering information and then you're balancing it with what's true for you. If you hear something that some an idea you haven't entertained, great. Think about that. But always know that it comes back to what you can live with. Because we're not here to live up to the expectations of other people. Not a bit. <laughs> and there, there's a, a real draw to do that. And a lot of people demand that we do that um, <clears throat> be just because they want to be the, the boss of us, if you like. like. And then they get very disappointed and angry if you don't take their advice. And that's not a great thing, right? That's certainly not a, a good idea. Because... 
we need to calibrate that. So I love what you said, you know, go and gather information. Definitely get help from somebody, preferably somebody that you're paying. And why I say yeah. that is they're neutral. They don't have a vested interest. They will help you at arm's length, figure something out. And then if you like, temper that with gathering what your friends and family say. So I love this idea of urgency, and yet urgency kind of sets up a stress response in us. So you talk about three kinds of urgencies. What are they, Scott? Well, the first one is the obvious urgency. Think of something as simple as, I cut my finger, I'm probably going to figure out a way to get that addressed. Uh, kind of a silly example, but a very biological one, I really need to go to the bathroom. We're going to figure out how to do that, aren't we? That's not something we're going to put off for hours or days. But those are obvious because they are literally many times in our face, and we're going to do something about those. It doesn't take a lot of forethought or decision-making process. You just handle it. The second one is the optional urgency. That is a situation where we are pretty much every day, Dr. Shaler, in some regard, we're giving an option Many times, are we going to do this? Something as simple as, am I going to have a burger or a salad? Am I going to exercise or not? Am I going to make this phone call or not? Am I, all these decisions we have, uh, we can choose to embrace and do them now. And, and many times, it's more helpful to do them now because a lot of those things, if we do put them off, will lead to regret. Oh, I'll exercise tomorrow. I'll work on my marriage next week. Oh, when we get more money, we'll go to marriage counseling. And we put things off and off and off. That's an optional urgency. My decision is if I can at all possible do those things that are optional as sooner than sooner than later, many times I'll have more success in that area of life. I just want to interrupt so, for one sure. second before we go on to the big one, number three, because we're going to spend some time there. But you brought up a point, which is I'll wait until I have some money to get some help for my relationship. Yeah. That can be a really backward decision, can't it? it? It has, and I'll tell you probably more than you want to know in my personal life. I made that mistake. Ah. I had a 20-year marriage that ended uh, almost 20 years ago, and um, I should have. There were more than one occasion she said, we probably need some marital counseling, and my response was, we can't afford it. Yeah, yeah. And it was a bad decision on my part. Well, so many times, you know, I work with couples all over the world, and they will come and they'll say, oh, well, you know, that's expensive. And I, uh, wow, isn't the rest of your life kind of expensive? Isn't there a huge emotional expense? Can you actually imagine giving away your life energy to a problem that you've already had for six years? You want to continue doing that? Do you want to experience love? Do you want to experience respect? Do you want to experience emotional intimacy in your life? Well, let's get cracking here, you know, make it a priority. In fact, I have one couple who told me straight, quite straightforwardly, we chose to work with you rather than a week in the Grand Tetons. Wow. And I said, good choice, because the Grand Tetons will always be there, but you may not. <laughs> you may That's have scattered to the winds, right? <laughs> I like that. So I just wanted to put that in there because I um, don't know if you know uh, who John Gottman is, but the Gottman Institute up in, in out of Seattle, and he's done all this empirical research, brought relationships right down to numbers, and his research shows that couples wait an average of six years with the same problem before they get help. Wow. That is That's a loss. It is. 
That's a huge loss. So thanks for sharing your experience there. So we've got two kinds of urgencies. We've got the obvious one. I cut my finger. I have to go to the bathroom. We have the optional one. I could or I couldn't. I may or I mightn't. And the world's not really going to stop turning. And then we have the big one, the one that you focus on most. What's that one? Yeah. What happened, Dr. Shaler, is I was, I was putting some thoughts together to write a book. I thought, well, there's this type of urgency in this one. But then it crossed my mind, oh my gosh, the worst one of all are the ones that we hide. They're the ones that we bury. And I originally had just called it hidden urgency. And as I was making some notes about maybe turning this into a book, I thought, well, in other words, they're submerged. Oh, submergency. So I, that's where the name of the book came from. But they're hidden because we, here's the thing, we hide them. It's not like somebody snuck into our bedroom at night and stuck something underneath the bed. We made, at some point, a conscious decision that very quickly became a subconscious decision to keep them hidden. Examples I mentioned earlier, uh, something as simple as losing weight or exercising or changing our diet. Many times, though, we're talking here about relationships. We will work on our parent-child relationship later, whether we're the parent or we're the child or both. We will work on our marriage later, and we delay. We, we, here's the thing. We don't make a decision to work on it or not work on it. We decide to delay, and by doing that, it causes what I've seen in many cases the most regrets ever. It's those things that we put off and put off and never get around to, or we delay too long to, be, to have an effective solution that it causes a lot of regret. Do you think in that, uh, Scott, that we actually don't want to recognize the urgency of the situation? I do. I believe that we, somewhere in our, our mind, we, we decide that life is okay where it is. It'd be better if I worked on my marriage, but it'll keep, it'll wait. It's kind of like you missed the Grand Tetons. Oh, Bill, still be there. Well, my wife will still be there. Well, no, she's not. Um, and so I can work on my weight later. Well, until the day you have a heart attack and die. And, and so what happens sometimes is that we, we want to, in a perfect world, we want to get everything done right away and have great relationships and great health and great spiritual walk and great everything. But in the, the day, we do have to make some conscious decisions of what to do with our time. The challenge I see is that even some very great authors have, in my opinion, put relationships in the wrong area. And I don't mind mentioning the book. Uh, I love Stephen, the late Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. The challenge is, in my personal opinion, there's one item of all the items he put that he had in the wrong quadrant. He said that relationships belong in the quadrant, that they're important, but they're not urgent. Yes, I'm so glad you said that, because when I read the title of your book, I went, Urgent, important, urgent, important, right out of the Covey book. <laughs> yep. And then I re certainly remember that. And <clears throat> that's just not true. I agree. <laughs> you know, and I'm so happy to hear you say that. So I just want to tell everybody, I'm speaking with Scott Kimbrough. He's written this really great book that you want to read called Submergency. 
How to Live and Die Without Regret. You can find him at scottkimbroteaches.com. You want to go there. You want to read this book. I read it right from beginning to end. So I just want to end this segment on a quote that I found really fascinating in your book from Pablo Picasso. And he said, Only put off until tomorrow what you're willing to die having left undone. Now, Pablo Picasso may have been just a little bit extreme in saying that because we can't do everything today, obviously. (laughs) But it is a great concept to just say, all right, do I have my priorities straight? And the way that I would put that, Scott, is am I living from my values, the vision of the life I want to create, from my beliefs on every level, whether that's about money, how the world works, relationships, spiritual faith, whatever. And then what are my current goals and what am I focused on? So important for us. So go to scottkimbroteaches.com. We'll be right back for part two. Remember, you can find Scott at scottkimbroteaches.com. And then when you want to hear more from me, go to forrelationshiphelp.com. And we'll talk soon. Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Handling hijackles is exhausting. It's never-ending. An endless cycle of crazy-making, alienation, and constant drama. And cycles are difficult to step out of. I know, because I've been there too. And that's why I reach out to you to offer the insight, skills, and strategies you need to heal. My small group programs, Handling Hijackles and Hijackle Recovery and Rediscovery, will shortcut your journey to healing to save your sanity, and to stopping the crazy making. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join now, and let's talk soon. Welcome back. This is part two of my conversation with Scott Kimbrough, the author of the book, Submergency, How to Live and Die Without Regret. So we're going to move on from part one where we were talking about the urgencies in life and actually got in a little bit about where we think Stephen Covey might have been just a little on the wrong side of relationships and how important they are. And now I want to really focus this time on something that I found in the book. And you talk about four things we need to do to be successful, Scott, and why I want to talk about them is that we can have a narrow view of what success is. Like, how can I make a million dollars or how can I be the best at what I do? But I think success comes on every level of our life. And I like the four things that you offered because it can be generalized to all of those. So would you tell us about those? Absolutely. I first heard this discussion years ago, Dr. Shaler, and it took me a number of years to actually internalize it and actually make one little tweak on the fourth one that I think got some better results. But the first thing is to determine what you want and when you want it. It is sad to say, and I'll point at myself, I was 23 years old, had started a home-based business, and one of my business partners said, Scott, what do you want to do with this business? I had no earthly idea. It just sounded good. My in-laws sponsored us in business. Hey, he's successful. I guess I should go do it. But when the question came to me, what do you want to do with this? I may, 
he said, what about this? What about this? A long list. I was like, maybe, possibly, could be, don't know. And I finally got the point where I just got through my hands and said, I want to make $100,000, get in cash, throw it in the bed and get naked and roll around in it. I mean, <laughs> he laughed, I laughed, and then he changed the subject because he realized that I didn't know what I wanted. And it took quite a while to sit down and think, what do I want? So I need to actually determine what it is that I want in life. And you can break that down to any area of life, whether it be financial, faith, whatever it may be, your relationships. But you've got to decide what you want. What happens if you don't, Dr. Shaler, as you know, is that people will gently prod you the direction that they want to go. Mm-hmm. If you're just a willing participant, you just go along with the flow, you wake up one day down the road, maybe in a marriage that's not working well, you're, you don't know your kids, you're struggling financially because you're letting the world dictate where you should go. So you've got to determine what you want and when you want it. That's another thing. Just because I said, okay, I want to do this in life. Well, that's great, Scott. You want that next week or in 20 years. So I've got to make a decision. Now, obviously, we don't know that we don't have crystal balls to know when this is going to happen, but we don't at least set a goal that is time specific. We're just kind of, you know, spitting in the wind. It's, oh, one day my ship will come in. Well, guess what? No, it probably won't. Yes. Let's just expand on that for a minute because for the people who are in toxic relationships, this idea of knowing what you want and when you want it can be very foreign because I have probably, if I'm in a relationship with a hijackal, I have probably had early experiences in my life with hijackals telling me who to be and define my my relationships, define my reality for me, tell me what I I think and what I feel or what I should think and what I, I should feel. And I'm not in a place of even being able to digest this first thing, determine what you want and when you want it wow, do I get to make up my own life? This is a big surprise. Like, what if the other people don't like it? What if they put me down? I remember in my life when I decided I wanted to be a writer, I went to an older trusted friend. I think she was three years older, but she was making a lot of money. And I said, I think I'm going to move into writing. And she looked at me and she went, oh, you want to be a writer. I didn't write for five years. Neither did I know that five years from then, she'd asked me to go with her to a counselor because she had a mental illness. Wow. <laughs> but I allowed that to, re- to repress my desire to write. So what do you have to say about helping people realize that they have the right and the responsibility because they draw breath and they take up space to make their unique contribution to life. Well, first and foremost, you're right. And what it's going to come down to Dr. Taylor's, they're going to have to make that decision themselves that that is correct, that they do have those choices to make. They do have the rights to make those choices. It, you're right. It is hard when you're in a relationship like that, where someone is so overwhelming and oppressing you with their uh, their opinions and their emotions and you're going to do this and think this way that you've got to step out of that situation for a while whether that is literally saying we need a break and you if you're in a marriage and you go away for a while whether it's i need to extend a weekend i need to seek counsel whatever it is that you need to get away from that other party long enough and talk to someone wise enough preferably like you mentioned earlier a paid counselor to say, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm going through, what do you advise that I do? I found in my personal experience, Dr. Shaler, probably 
90% may be overkill, but at least more, half, more than half the time, at the end of the day, I know what I'm supposed to do. But it takes somebody else to tell me, hey, Scott, what do you think you should do? And then I say, well, I think I should do this. And they go, yep. So even though we, you think, well, why do you pay somebody to tell me that? Because you're not going to listen to yourself otherwise. Many times we will, we need that outside third party to come in and say, this is what's going on. But many, many times the best counseling I've ever given and I've ever received has been holding up a hand to say, here's the mirror. What do you think you should do? And, exactly. And, exactly. And, but it, it takes a party some reason to, to, to kind of wake us up and go, this is what I need to do. And then when you do that and you make those decisions, then you can move forward. Yes. Well, you know, of course, I love it when there's agreement. <laughs> but, yes. you know, I also love it when somebody comes back and says, oh, no, I don't believe that at all. But what's important is to give yourself whatever you need to be able to say, I deserve to draw breath and take up space. And therefore, what I want and what I need and what I think and what I feel is important. And so we can do step one, determine what you want and when you want it. So let's move to step two. Step two sounds hard, but it's important. Determine what you're willing to give up for a while in order to get what you want. And uh, I talk a lot about, just think Olympic athletes. Olympic oh, yeah. athletes don't just grow up in three years old and mommy, I'm going to be in the Olympics one day and then they go to school and then they say they sign up for Olympics and they go win a gold medal. There are years of daily sacrifice of what they eat, of their relationships, of when they sleep, when they don't sleep and their work routine and everything in their life gets topsy turvy for sometimes a decade, two decades in order to have a chance to go to Olympics and perform. So whether it be in business uh, for a while, I had a home based business and had a career, a job. And so there are times when I had to give up some sleep. There's some times I had to make some other sacrifices on their short term in order to succeed long term where I could work my way out of the job situation and simply have a home-based business, be able to spend more time with my wife and children. So there are sacrifices to win at every area of life. And if people think that they're simply going to determine what they want when they want it, and then things will be great, usually that doesn't work. Because, yeah. But here's the key thing. They get to pick what they're willing to give up. If you don't pick what you're willing to give up, guess what? Here we are again with other relationships and people will tell you what you're going to give up in order to succeed. And you want to keep that control where possible. So make that decision as soon as you can. I love that advice, Scott, because people don't think about priorities and values. You know, if we're just out there people pleasing and doing what everybody else thinks we should do and going along with the crowd and then complaining that we don't have time for things, who chose how we use our time? You got it. <laughs> Nobody else made that decision, but we have to bring it back to ourselves. So first thing is determine what you want and when you want it. Then you have to think about what could I temporarily give up or what might I have to give up in order to do that? I remember as a young mom, I was divorced. I was raising three kids and I, I was working full time. I had very little child support and I wanted a PhD. I did it. But what did I give up? Oh, a whole lot of sleep and a whole lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, because in order to get where I wanted to go to give my gift to the world, I had to do something different than other people. And people would say, how did you do that? You know, I looked at a picture this morning, Scott, that I posted on my Facebook page. That's me with my three kids. And I looked at that picture and I thought, how did you do that? 
I I have no idea how I ever stayed upright and had everybody having enough food. <laughs> I have no idea. But it's really important to know that you may have to give up something temporarily. So what's the third thing? The third thing is to associate with people who can help you get what you want. For whatever reason, I don't know if this is a worldwide thing or just Americans, but a lot of Americans want to be able to say, I did it myself. Think of a two-year-old. Uh, and, and rarely is, I tell, I tell people this, success never happens in a vacuum. Right. Uh, there are some people that will, some companies, some individuals, some family members, some friends, something's going to happen along the way. If you're going to succeed at something, you're going to be, you'll either hopefully do it on purpose, but even if not, you'll find yourself being gravitating toward people with whom you can associate that will support you in your dreams, that will come along and maybe help keep the kids for a while or do some things. So they'll, they'll help you. And the better you can choose them and say, I'm going to associate here with this person and not with this person. I'm going to spend more time listening to this mentor of mine in business and not so much that person who's a big shot, but doesn't know what he's talking about. So you get to choose with whom you associate to do that. Now he doesn't have to be in person. Um, some of the best associations I've ever done are with people who are dead, uh, whether it be, you know, the, the great authors of the world, uh, whether it be the Bible, a lot of great wisdom comes in, from sources with people they are not, we're going to spend lunch with. That being said, Never disregard the idea of having a meal with somebody. If you really want to be in a mentor-mentee relationship, uh, buy their lunch, pick their brain. Uh, in the business side, Dave Ramsey's a very f successful financial guy, writer here in Nashville. I grew up basically with him. And um, he talks about if you want to go into real estate, don't just say, hey, I'm going to be a realtor. Yay. You want to find the most successful realtor in town. I'll call them up. offer to buy them a meal. Go there yourself with a long list of questions you don't eat and you just pick their brain the whole time, pay their meal and then say, hey, would you be willing to let me ride with you a couple of days? So you want to pick who with whom you associate. Otherwise, you might be successful. You may not. And, but your, your chances increase greatly when you associate with the right people. And just a little word about that from my side of the fence, mm -hmm. too. When you go to do that, yes, you are, you are in awe of something they do or how they live. But don't forget that you're both people and you both put your pants on one leg at a time. It's not that, oh, yes, whatever, 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 and you give your life over to that. It's a gathering and saying, oh, that's how you do it. Well, maybe I could learn from doing it that way. But you're still two humans going through life together. Absolutely. And so that can... If you remember that, then maybe it's a little easier to ask somebody that you admire to, to do something to help you understand how to have your goals met. So let's talk about number four, Scott. Number four, I heard this probably back in 1982 for the first time, is plan your work and work your plan. The challenge I had with that was, Dr. Shaler, I would do that repeatedly and it wouldn't work. <laughs> uh, I would plan my work. I'd make great plans. Uh, sometimes I'd follow through better than other times. Uh, so the work, the plan part, sometimes is consistent, sometimes inconsistent. Sometimes I did the work, but it was the wrong work. And it wasn't until years later that I found out that I needed a couple of sub points to help that come into come to reality. Number one, you need to plan your work and work your plan with an accountability partner you need to have someone to help you hold yourself accountable. Someone just, needs to know what you're up to. <laughs> well, that's just it. And something as simple, it can be something as simple as I'm thinking back to my years of being in home-based business where if I wanted to 
do presentations with 20 people for the month, I took a little grease pen like you'd use on a whiteboard and I would put the number 20 on my bathroom mirror. And each time I met with somebody at the end of the day, I just put a little tally right there. Not only did I know where I was any time during the month, so did my wife. And she did not have to ask me. She could see where, if I was being good to my word or not, if I was hitting my goals or not. Knowing that she could see that held me accountable to do more consistent work. And the second thing is, goes right back to the topic we talked about earlier, doing it with a sense of urgency. The challenge I see in most people who have some kind of a, nowadays it's called a side hustle or home-based business, is the fact that they have no sense of urgency at all. It's like, I'm just going to sign up in this business and boy, I'm going to get rich. And then they have no sense of urgency to go learn the skills needed to be successful in the industry, not to even mention the work they have to do to go make it happen. So they just have this mentality of I'll get, like everything else we talked about earlier, I'll get to it later and I'm sure I'll be successful one day. And they're not because they have no accountability, number one. Number two, they have no sense of urgency. Such good advice. And I just want to wrap part three and four together because sometimes you'll go to something where somebody wants you to sell something for them Mm -hmm. and their big deal is to get you in so they get the money. Mm -hmm. But if they're not there to actually help you and have a valid value-based relationship with you, watch out. Maybe you need to ask somebody else. (laughs) Oh, I absolutely agree. Matter of fact, about my big... I don't know if I'd say concern, my biggest bone to pick with some of my friends in that industry that continue this day is there's a world of difference between recruiting someone, which is what you're talking about. Hey, Dr. Shaler's get in with me because I'm going to make this money over here, but what you come in with versus sponsoring. Sponsoring somebody means you're now under my wing. You're like a child of mine. I need to teach you what to do in this business. Are you right? What speed do you want to go? You want to yes. make a few bucks a month? You want to be very wealthy in the next 12 months, that dictates how I train you. And so that's, that, that, once again, forces a thing called a conversation. You have to communicate with people. What do you want to accomplish? Kind of goes back to number one again. But you're right. There's a world difference between actually being with somebody and helping them and being a partner in any venture versus just wanting to get somebody in and see like a buck. Yes. So, so much to talk about and our time is up. So I want you to go and read Scott's book. This is Scott Kimbrough. Go to scottkimbroughteaches.com. That's Scott with two T's, K-I-M-B-R-O, teaches.com. And read his book, Submergency, How to Live and Die Without Regret. You can tell he's got a whole lot for you. I love talking to you, Scott. And thank you so much for being with me. It was an honor to be here, Dr. Shaler, and thank you for your time. And so, you know where to find Scott? You can also find me at forrelationshiphelp.com. You can get my free ebook, How to Spot a Hijackal, right there. And if you're a visual person and you want immediate information, go to my YouTube channel. You got it, forrelationshiphelp.com. Talk soon. No matter what's happening right now, life can get better. If you have a good relationship, it can become great. If your relationship is in trouble, we can find a solution. The good news is that it's in your hands to start. The not-so-good news is that it takes time, new insights and skills, and a whole bunch of willingness. But who would settle for less? Not you, right? Good. You want to feel seen, heard, known, accepted, and appreciated. You want honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability, too. 
Read my book, Kaizen for Couples, available for download at couplesbook.com. Start there, and let's talk soon. Hello, this is Dr. British Shaler, and we're again talking about further tips for relationships. And we've heard today's guest, Scott Kimbrough, and if you want to go and listen to that segment, go to listen to Scott Kimbrough, uh, parts one and two, Living Without Regrets and Moving Towards Success. And I just want to add something about the whole idea of wasting no time in regret. We really don't want to do that. It's a terrible energy leak. It really will waste time. It will waste emotional energy. It will waste physical energy. And then we spend a lot of time thinking about it. So imagine how much time you would recoup if you could have every second back that you have spent regretting something that you have said or done or not said or done. How about now making a pact to limit the time for each regret to as long as it takes to say it just one time. Would you be willing to do that? Only say it once. Then use your time and energy for learning from it and resolving how you will not repeat the experience. When you want to change a habit of mind or body, there's a quick way to remind yourself, and you probably heard about this, but I'm going to remind you of it. Just put an elastic band around one wrist. And each time you forget and follow the old habit, snap the elastic band and affirm the new one. So for example, you may find yourself speaking negatively about yourself. And as soon as you catch yourself doing that, snap the elastic and remind yourself, I accept myself, I approve of myself, I love myself right this minute as I am right now, and I can do anything I set my mind to. Now, doesn't that feel better already? Do you often tell old negative stories in social situations? A lot of people do. And of course, some are told for the humor you can now see them in. But if you're retelling negative stories, your body is reliving the feelings and sensations as you tell the story. And this puts your entire system through the experience once again. Knowing this, You might want to stop doing this. It might make sense to you to stop telling old, painful, hurtful stories. You don't want to put your body through it again. In fact, you might want to replace those negative stories with positive ones. Snap that elastic when you find yourself going to a negative story and tell an uplifting story. Remember, when you tell a story... You are listening too. Your body is listening to you. Even when you're thinking, what your mind is filled with, your body is listening. So just an old idea about the elastic band, but consider using it for changing your mental or physical habits. If you think, I can never get out of this relationship, snap that band. You have choice. It may not be quick. It may not be when you want But you have choice. Remind yourself, I can choose to change the relationship. I can change my mind. I can choose to stay or leave. Remind yourself. 
So consider using that elastic band method. It's not the pain, of course, that changes the habit. You know you're not going to hurt yourself when you snap the elastic. It's the consciousness you bring to every moment that works the magic. Try it. It will keep you awake. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. I'm glad you're here, and I hope that you enjoy Tips for Relationships. Visit us soon at forrelationshiphelp.com. Talk soon. Well, that wraps up today's Relationship Help Show, and I'm so glad you were here. If you enjoyed today's show, please tell your friends and invite them to listen in. Have them go to forrelationshiphelp.com and click on the radio button. That's where you can go to to hear other episodes of the show. So I'm glad you were here with me on the Relationship Help Show, where I do my best to make it easier to talk about difficult things and where we become stronger together. Today you heard lots of things that are very personal and that you can take to heart and make a difference in your life right away. Next week we're going to be talking with my guest Kristen Walker of Mental Health News Radio and she's going to share a refreshing take on who's draining us, how and why they're doing it, and what we can do about it. And in the meantime, I invite you to think about these things. You are strong no matter how you feel in this moment. You are capable and can overcome obstacles even when you feel like quitting. You are worthwhile and deserve to be loved and deserve to be in healthy, supportive relationships. And you promise to never allow yourself to be abused in any way. You will never say anything about yourself that you do not want to be true. Why? Because you matter. Talk soon. I'm so glad you spent this time with me today. I hope you heard something that touched your heart. You can have the life and relationships that you most want, and that begins within you now, today. I'm always here for you. Life can get better. And you heard that from me, the Relationship Help Doctor, Roberta Shaler. I work with clients throughout the world through video conferencing. We can talk. Learn more at forrelationshiphelp.com. Visit youtube.com slash forrelationshiphelp. And if you want to listen to the show's archives, visit relationshiphelpshow.com. Join me for next week's show. I'll see you then. Talk soon.